what do you think then the role of um, because I know you are very active and very um, very very controversial on Twitter for most people um, what do you think the role of um, social media has done to a large extent to sort of bring the world to an understanding of where of issues at hand like the Libya case when it came out everyone was like oh this is a problem we can see it right there and then and there was the global outrage what do you think of this sort of like clicktivism like oh every now and then something pops up and like oh it's big and then everyone now and then it's just like and then after two two months or one month everyone just like pushes it aside for me social media just gave power to the helpless mm. to the voiceless that's what it did mm. there was a time where what you said was controlled by government mm. because government owned all the media outlets. Yeah, the traditional media. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still like that. Then we got to a stage where, I mean, once upon a time, it was 7 a.m. You heard the news 7 a.m., you heard it 9 p.m., and that's it. <laughs> so whatever happened in between, just be room, and everybody's waiting for, oh, let's seven, let it be 7 a.m., what has happened? Let it be 9 p.m., let's mm -hmm. all stay there. And government could say, could shut down any voice they wanted to yeah. shut down. Along the way, we started having private uh, media outfit and outlet and, and, and all of that. And of course, yeah, it gave a little bit of voice to the people and people could say more. But you needed money to be able to say something yes. because you had to pay for that. Then came in social media that decided to give everyone a voice. And say, as long as you can get that your data, you can click and you can say something and, and everybody will hear. And so it's, it's a power. But then, you know what they say about power? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. They say power corrupts. Then absolute power corrupts absolutely. And if you don't know how to use it and harness it in the right way, and it gets into it, and it can be misused. Mm. And of course, you have a, a good number of that on social media. Mm. But at the end of the day, for me, I will always say, for me who grew up in a generation where I saw military men on the streets beating up people, I was 10 when there was a coup, December 31st. I had turned 10, December 12, 1983. December 31st, 1983, there was a coup. And I still remember, I can still see those, I still remember this big fat man that had a tray of meat, beef. And then he was walking on the streets and then you know, military were coming in their vehicle and anybody who was talking, they, would, they had this huge cane. I don't know whether it was huge because I was a little rich. And they kept flogging him, flogging him, and they packed him and other people and threw them. I mean, that's something that happened. 83 to now, that's over 30, yeah, about 35 years now. It's still in my head. No, that, that happened in 84, so that, it, it did, it, so that was around 84, so that's 24 years, it's still in my head. And you saw people being, you said we, no, nobody had a voice. A time where even when people would speak, they were afraid of speaking in public, because you didn't know, during the Abacha era, you didn't know who was who, you didn't know who was listening. So here was social media, which was liberating, which was now for the first time, government no longer engaged, just tell us what they wanted us to hear. They had to listen to us. Because when they say something, we equally have an opportunity to say something back at them and they have to listen. Because at the end of the day, governance is about demands and supply. Where the people in government with supply, the citizens must make demand. Because if demands are not made, demands are not made, then it is the easiest thing to give is bad governance. And so social media in its own way, for me, I think is liberating. It has brought freedom and power to the people, to the ordinary man, to have a say in what happens in the world around him. But at the same time, of course, there are people who will use it for good or for bad, and those who will misuse it. It depends. But then, hey, that's life. Yeah. No, it's never all good. It's never all good. Um, so along the line of that, just 
taking a step further, especially with regards to how the if you if you've noticed on Nigerian social media media in particular, there's sort of like a one group who's like um, pro like so the easiest person to use to point to this and perhaps the most controversial person, even though she herself is not even on Twitter, is Chimamanda Adichie. So she says something on Twitter and then it becomes, she says something, whoever she says it, and then it becomes the hot topic on Twitter for the next three days, especially as it regards feminism. So her most recent one was, for example, that, um, I, can't remember, I don't want to misquote her, but, she's, she, but she spoke about how doors should be held and how doors should not be held for women. And there's sort of like this, clear rift between people on with between Nigerians on Twitter there's on the one hand people who evidently support her and argue for her views and them and the feminist views that she espouses which typically are feminist views of the West especially in that are very popular on that side of the world on the other hand there's this other group who's like yes we're all for equality and all but I don't agree with Chimamanda Chivalry is still a thing I want to hold the door open for a lady and all that kind of say those kind of arguments now do you see a difference in the different in the feminist views that they hold or is there is it like a um, is it like the same thing I would like to say first of all even before I come down to the feminist view and all of that, to even talk about the Twitter in general, where you talk about that rift. Nigeria is, Nigerian citizens are in an abusive relationship with their government. So when somebody is abused, <laughs> he doesn't think straight. So sometimes, yeah, so that's why you say even when people will come and fight on their behalf, something that it's good for them, they, they are afraid. Because they are more used to being abused, being beaten. So when, you, when something good is done to them, they are, they are suspicious of that good. Where is it going to lead to? When are you going to start your own abuse and beatings too? So I'd rather protect this. And then they go on to protect those who even abuse them. Because you find people in abusive relationships, abusive situations, you're trying to pull them out. They don't want to go. They want sometimes even protect the abuser. So that's where Nigerians are. And then there's also and understanding that there's, there's a need to do something, but there's a laziness of doing something. They don't want to do that thing. Nigerians would rather abdicate our responsibilities. Somebody else should do it, but never us. And the most uh, being that, of course, we abdicate our responsibilities to is God. So people sit down and pray. And so when they pray, they feel, oh, we've done the work now. We've already finished praying. And then they'll go on. So feeling justified that they had prayed and all of that. But meanwhile, God gave you all the faculty you need to use to think and get things done. And it's not going to come down to do those things. So you find that always on Twitter, there's this argument and all of that because they're not coming out to face the reality. The reality is too harsh. The reality is deep. And the reality, when you face it, it demands that you take action and do something. So you can no longer stay and just be clicking. So instead, what happens? Like Dr. Obi Ezekwesile will always say, he said they will major in the minor and minor in the major. So the most important things will be left away. And so they will look at this small thing, let's fight over it and feel vindicated. So that anger that they have, things are not working, bad road, bad governance, there's no health care. Let me fight over this little thing. So when I'm spent, I'll just go and sit down. And, and, and not do anything. So every time you find in the Nigeria Twitter, so there's always a rift of this one. If it's not people defending Yahoo, Yahoo boys and supporters, yeah. it is one thing or the Some of them you think, is this what you guys should be talking about yeah. when your house is on fire? Yeah. The whole nation is on fire. People are being killed and you're talking about this. So coming back to what uh, Chim, uh, Chimamanda said, I'm a believer in people have a right to their own opinion. 
and you should always respect people's opinion. Mm -hmm. Because I, what I believe in is what I believe in, and I respect what you And it's okay for us to have different opinions. I've, I've not been in, on Twitter in the last almost uh, 29 days since Ramadan started. Normally, when Ramadan started, yeah, I, I, I just take, take my, exactly, I did uh, detoxification and I'll take my time off and just spend time. But when I heard that, that Chimamanda, it was not strange to me because I have those same thoughts. Why should a guy be opening door for me? Why should I go to a restaurant and expect that if you buy food for me, you, you have to pay for me? Yeah. Why should I expect that too? Because you are a guy, you have to come and carry this for me or do this for me. No. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe in those things. And I always felt, even the door open, I left for what? The first time, I was, I was much younger when the Ministry of Women Affairs was put together, created in Nigeria. And I was very angry. Why do I need a Ministry of Women? Do I look like somebody who has a deficiency in anything? All a woman is asking for just give us equal playing field. We are not asking for special treatment. Mm. So treat us like, don't treat, you know, sometimes all this treatment, for my own, which that's the way I thought my mother just expressed it. I've always expressed that end. When you begin to treat all oh, women, oh, I have to open the door for her, yeah. then you begin to put us in a box yeah. and label us and hold us ransom yeah. with those expectations of, oh, you're the weaker one, you're the whatever. No. If I want to open, if I say you beg, out of courtesy, you can open the door for anybody, man or woman. You can be the one coming. Oh, I go to the car before you. I'll open the, the door for you, for you to enter. And then it's no big deal. And so it's the same way where people, their own thinking is different. I, I think you missed another fight again. I think, I think there's a celebrity which is being suspicious. She's going, dating a man younger than her, and people are all over the place. I say, what, what's wrong with that? If she's 38, she's 21, and they decide they want to have an affair, their business. They want to get married, their business. The same way you have a man who is sister, something going with, with a woman who is 30, something or some even go below 16. I and mean, even what we are talking that's child, child abuse and all of that. But you find that they think it's okay. So for me, basically, I feel as a woman, I'm a human being. Please. Don't begin to tell me, because I do hear a lot of people say to me, oh, you behave like a man. I say, I don't do labor. If you go to my Twitter handle, I say, I don't do labor. I am me. I'm a human being. If you decide you want to call me a woman, oh, that's it. That's your, this. If you want to call me a man, that's your own. But I think people should just be allowed to be who they want to be. And even when it comes to what they're talking about, feminism and all of that, I don't believe in all those terms. All those are labels that just try to, so you're a feminist, so you have to behave in a certain way. Oh, you are not a feminist. I am who I am, and that's what I stand for. For example, I hate to cook. And anywhere I go to, I say, people, I hate to cook. I can't even remember the last time I was in the kitchen cooking. I can't. That's who I am. So if you think because I hate to cook, I am not a woman, I'm less of a woman, that's your business. So I person, no, as a woman, you should be cook for your husband, you should cook for your children, you should ensure you, the house is clean. Who says? There is food on the table. Who said I have to slave over it before everybody will enjoy it? So why don't the food be there? Yeah. Get somebody who loves to cook. I bet there are women who love to cook. Their own way of decongesting when they're tired, they're stressed, yeah. and they hit the kitchen. Good for them. But you don't use that to keep me asleep. And there are men who love to cook. Yeah. And sometimes they are prevented from going there to cook because, yeah. oh, family or society has said this is how. Whoever wants to cook, please, let him cook. Whoever wants to do anything, let them do it, as long as it's within the ambit of the law and what they believe in. For example, I'm a woman who wears the hijab. 
There was a time they were doing something in Kenya. A woman wore a miniskirt. I think it was Kenya. Yeah. A wore a miniskirt and they stripped her. And there was, I can't remember what the hashtag was. I joined it. Because for as far as I'm concerned, she has every right to wear a miniskirt or decide not to, or be able to wear a panties. It's her right. The same way I have a right to cover. The last question I have is precisely regarding where you think Nigeria is headed. So there's sort of this um, idea of our culture, what do you think about our culture as being sort of mixed with this Western idea of what is of Western culture, like oh, people want to be cooler, and everybody's trying to take up Western slangs, forget our forget our local languages, have all these basic things that we consider our culture, and sort of are getting um, rid of them. Do you think what do you think that's a project that will eventually happen, where Af African cultures will assimilate out of existence, and maybe like next two hundred years? Or, and do you think that's, or do you think there is a way it's going that we have to, they were taking our agency in that? I think first of all, Africa has lost its identity. And it is not even trying to find its identity. As a human being, as an individual, for you, for one to be able to progress, one needs to know whom one is. First of all, you, know, you, you, look at, you need to look at yourself and say, who am I? Discover yourself. It's in discovering yourself that you'll be able to take a position in life and you'll be able to excel. Yes. You know, you're no longer held by encumbrances or oh, what do people think because you don't care what people think in the sense that you know who you are and you're going to live life by those values and within the ambit of the law. So Africa right now, from my own uh, point of view, there's no identity. We lost our identity a long time ago. We are not even trying to find... Uh, that identity and it doesn't even it's not in any way looking for that identity it hasn't even realized that it has lost its identity and we are just going and like even as human because a society a nation is made up of society and society is made up of individuals and so in the, even as individuals we need to know who we are to be able to live our life fully and be able to excel to our maximum potential where you do not even discover who you are, you always be at the forces of people. What do people think? How do they look at you? So it's the same way with culture, the same way with society, the same way with, with a nation, and of course the continent. So especially black Africa, where we have seemed to think everything black is wrong, where we are not comfortable in our own skin to do what we want to do, where we always want to conform to a certain way, so it's a, it's a problem, and we are losing the essence of us all. You know, I normally get a question from a lot of people. Sometimes they look surprised. They were like, oh, so you mean, oh, when you travel out of the country, do you travel with your hijab? <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? This is who I am. So if I'm going somewhere, what do I need to go and start doing? But of course, in, in, in looking at them again, you understand, because you see a lot of people who we cover up here, who we, but the moment they travel out of the country, they're going somewhere else, or, of course, they have to conform with the way the city to be accepted. It, it does their own way of accepting. But you know why I brought this up? A few days ago, I had uh, an interview. There was an interview with a German uh, journalist who is writing a book on Bring Back Our Girls Movement and all of that. 
And he asked me the same question. What happened? I had, we're talking I just because I had, I had just come back from Scotland where my son was finishing his A-levels and I went for the Leavers, uh, dinner, ball and all of that. And so I, you know, I just showed him pictures. He saw him with his kilt and then there was these pictures of parents. And the, the, yeah, he wore the kilt. And I just wanted he eat and then he did kilt and then he had jalabia. It was, it was, he looked more Scottish than the people who were Scottish. And then, so we, there was this picture of parents, mm. of parents of the graduating yeah. uh, students and the students and so on. And I was in my hijab and he was like, oh, oh, you travel everywhere with your hijab. I'm like, oh, why shouldn't I travel everywhere with my hijab? Yeah. This is who I am. This is my culture. This is my identity. I'm going to go there and be in your country. If you have a problem with that, that's your own problem. I'll just tell you, you need to travel more to see more things. Because mm. I've traveled all the way here, if you, if, you, if you have a problem with that. And I remember even, like, for example, especially uh, with the way the Islamophobia and all of yeah. that, people will say to you, oh, certain countries won't give you visa by the time you're going there with your hijab. And I'm like, if you're not giving me visa, you can keep your visa. There are other countries I'm, I can travel to. And, and so. so it's all about knowing oneself. And right now, Africa has lost that uh, culture. Everything you find, I, recently I heard something that really broke my heart, that actually people actually pay here in Nigeria, people pay to have their children to be coached in such a way that they speak oh, with an American accent or the... And I seriously, what happened? The other day I was, I was I was driving some people and then, you know, I used the traffic. I was like, oh, I am trafficking. And he says, no, it's not called trafficking. It's called indicating. And I said, no, in Nigeria, Nigerian <laughs> English is trafficking. Because if you can have American English, why can't you have, why can't you have Nigerian English? And I'm very, so you're not going to use your indicator. I said, no. The car, because it's the trafficator, traficates. People indicate. So my trafficator. So we need to get to a point where we are comfortable with ourselves. But you know, to be comfortable with yourself, you need to have a kind of economic currency. We don't have that in Africa. So what's the, what's the thing about aligning with Africa? What's the value in saying, I am Africa? Your, first of all, your country will stand for you. I'm talking as a Nigerian right now. Something happens to me, Nigeria won't be there with me. So how am I interested in taking on that culture? My daughter, I, before I came for this, I had to leave an embassy uh, to come here. My daughter is supposed to travel to Thailand. They, from their school, they have, she's part of a service project. I will go there to go and provide uh, clean, safe water. For some, for some villagers, and then they, I don't know whether they, I don't know what they're building, whether it's bohu or whatever, they're doing some things there. She's, it's an it's school that is international. You have people from all over the world. She's the only one who hasn't gotten a visa up to now. A lot of people had gotten, why? Because she's Nigerian. And she had to go through the extra much. She had to get a drug, drug clearance. She's just 16. On Monday, she was in London at the Thai embassy, and she called me crying. Because the, the document she had gone to, they had sent it to the embassy here in Nigeria. So there was a forwarding letter to show it had been sent. And when she went to the embassy with it, they didn't. She, drove, she uh, flew, drove two hours to get to Aberdeen, flew from Aberdeen to London about two hours to go there, slept there, went there before, and she couldn't get her visa. All her mates, some of them, all they did was to post. And they, some didn't even need visa to go there. And then she didn't get that. Why she's a Nigerian? I had a friend again who they live in Milton Keynes in uh, UK. They are, the, the school had a trip to Italy. And all the children cleared the uh, Im uh, well, immigration point. This Nigerian child that is less than 10 was kept for like 
six, seven, oh no, three to four hours. And so what do you tell that child to come and be like a Nigerian? There's nothing. So we need to get to a place where we are not just, we are free politically. We, are, we got our independence, but economically we are not independent. Until and unless we become independent, we will not be able to get, to get people to, to be able to be comfortable. Yeah, there are a few individuals who are comfortable with themselves. I'm not bragging, I'm one of them. I don't care what you think about me. I'm black, yeah, I'm black, that's who I am. For example, here in Nigeria, I went to a restaurant, one of the top hotels here in Abuja. We're having something, they give us meal. I asked for swallow, pounded yam. And I said to them, they brought in cutlery. I said to them, can you bring a bowl of water? The waiter like, no. I said, this is an African food and we use our hand to eat it. You know, I see some, I've seen people write reports and say, oh, how disgusting it is when you use your hand to eat food and then the, the, the soup. I say, if you're eating and the soup is running, then you don't know how to eat. Even your parents would have scolded you and taught you how to eat. There's a way you do it. So, and she was like, and I insisted. I needed my, I'm not going to use cutlery to be eating. If I want to eat rice, it's not an African food. We borrowed it. I can use that. Basically, if you're not careful, we actually lose that our culture and uh, we are on the verge of losing it except if we get that that economic independence is very important where people will feel comfortable being Nigerians not that at the first uh, at the first opportunity you just ditch the nationality and then you want to belong to the new place you found yourself and then we lose everything that we have so there's a need for us all to you know continue to ensure that we have a continent that we all can be proud of because right now, mostly, we are not proud. It's not there to be proud of. So citizens need to fight and ensure that there's good governance. Good governance is at the heart of everything. Those Western countries where things are good today, they wear it good all the time. They too have their major issues until citizens decided enough is enough and they came out and they did the right thing. And of course, you know, one of the things that has held us back is religion. Yep our understanding of the religion, of the religion and laziness. Religion doesn't work without knowledge. Because even God has said, you need to know me first. You need to seek knowledge about me because if you do not know me, how would you worship me? But because we have a bunch of people who are lazy, you know, they always say if you want to hide something from an African, put it in a book. So we have a bunch who really will not sit down to study, but would want another person to study and tell them what it is about. So religion, we have used it to hold ourselves. Our forefathers used spirituality. When their mates were traveling from one, they were going from one continent to the other, traveling on seas, on oceans, breaking frontiers, what were we doing? Our own forefathers were doing evil forest. That's, they're breaking new frontiers. We, we are sitting down here. We are not doing anything. A thousand years to come, or 500 years, our descendants will not be blaming those ones that went. Meanwhile, we, we, our, their ancestors, we haven't done anything. And so they use that spirit. So everything they say, oh, is the whatever God, it is dead. That's what was controlling. Now what do people do? We have used religion in such a way that we abdicate our responsibilities, things that we are supposed to do. We say, we pray to God and we go back and not do them. Meanwhile, God has given us the brain to think, and you, God is not coming. If you sit down in your house and not come out and say food will enter your mouth, you won't see that food. 
you have to go out and work for it. So there, those are some of the things that need to be done. But we refuse to do that. And then you find out that we have religious leaders. So because that religion has been weaponized, it's not a tool to enslave people. Mm -hmm. So you are told, if you don't do this, if you don't bring this certain money, you will not get this. Your enemies are the one. The reason why you've not gotten a job is because of your enemies. Or somebody drove a car, was in a, in a car, and they had an accident. And so it is the enemy that caused the accident. You see that somebody in their village, village people, village people have suffered in Nigeria. <laughs> village people, uncles, aunties, enemies that caused it. The road that was supposed to be dual carriage is a single lane with a lot of potholes. Money meant to make that road dual carriage has been eaten by some people. The potholes are there. And of course, when the car is coming, the pothole is not going to ask, is it the man that ate the money? Is it from your religion? Yeah, you, the accident will not affect you. Or is it from... Then an accident happened. And instead of us to blame it at that bad governance and the corruption and everything, we blame it on the enemy. Somebody doesn't get a job, we say it's the enemy that have tied down is the stepmother that tied down his blessings. And so what happens? He's hating every other person, forgetting that the economy is not growing. It's shrinking. Uh, industries are closing up. Churches are opening. Mocks are opening. Industries are not opening. So what, what, what is going to happen? There won't be jobs. So because there are no jobs and more people are coming out of school, so it's not an enemy. So you see, he's there. So he's continuing to pay tithes and give his sadaka to Malam and all of that, instead of going to fight the thing. So you see, they have used that religion to, to put him in, to enslave him and keep him. And of course, some people are becoming richer, richer, richer. Uh, the other day, I got a, a WhatsApp message to say they're going to build a mock of, is it 600 million? Mm. Uh, one of, I, I tried, it's always anywhere, somewhere. And I said to them, please, when you are building a school, let me know, because we have enough money. The issue is not about mosques. You find that mosques are everywhere. But how many schools do we have? How many people do we have? Even the Prophet وسلم, as a Muslim, when he went to the mosque and people, they were once they were praying, the ones they were talking, he joined the ones that were learning. It's all about knowledge. But you know, we want to be seen doing the thing. We want to be seen in praying five times a day. We want to be seen in church every Sunday. It shall not, even some people will tell you, you have an employer, you tell him, you ask him, where are you, an employee, I mean, where are you? Say, oh no, I went to church. Hey, you're going to do it on your own paycheck. Not under my... So these are the things we do. But in the meantime, the things that, the, the, you know, the religion, what it has brought down to do, don't steal, don't do injustice, don't deny this, don't be corrupt, don't be this. We forget all about that. We just take the glamorous, the one that, the outside one, I keep doing them, I think that's the most So you're wondering, the man that just signed, uh, added extra zeros to inflate a contract, yeah. he just went, came from the mosque. He just did a fellowship. Yet when he was signing those contracts, he didn't remember the as God. Like I had uh, somebody in my daughter's school, a principal, he said, Nigerians are, how did he put it? are religious but godless. So we took that religiosity, the aspect of doing it, we are but the, the, the godliness, you know, taking in what God has said and actually putting it in action and actually doing it, most times we don't. And it's quite sad. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time out to really um, expatiate on your ideas and what you think and hopefully um, your ideas come reach the right people and including me as it already has.